Hi, it's uh, Linda Pinizzato at the Hayes FM. I'm here at the station today to bring to you the condo expert. The last uh, last week, actually, I was speaking a lot about uh, condominium owners' rights, and I was trying to give an idea of of what you know the whole concept of condominium ownership is all about, and things that you should be looking for, and how the uh, operating budget is comprised. And I went through a number of different uh, features because I think that, you know, one of the biggest problems that's happening right now is that the Condo Act has been around since 2001. And as a matter of fact, it's under review right now. It was updated, and unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be working. So last year, the McGinty government decided that they were going to open up the Condo Act for a review process. The way that it was decided that a group called the Public Policy Forum would be stepping in and basically speaking to a series of stakeholders, and those stakeholders could, of course, include condo owners themselves in the tenancy um, group because they chose 34 different residents across the province in order for them to come forward and, you know, talk about their trials and tribulations having to do with condominiums. Interesting enough, they've also approached service-related trades. So there's a lot of different service providers like condominium lawyers and property managers and, um, you know, engineers that are, you know, sitting in, in the midst of these whole discussions. And, of course, the Condo Owners Association is also involved. Now, I think what we'd like to do is, for the next four weeks, is... Try and educate. That's what I'd like to do, is I'd like to educate the condo owners out there or even condominium, you know, people that uh, own a condominium and they're thinking of selling or maybe people are thinking of buying into a condominium. But I think that it's really, really important for them to know a little bit more information. And certainly you can go around the websites and you can try and do some, some more of your own, you know, research. But I think a lot of the times the problem is, is that if you hear it firsthand, it may be able to be a little bit easier to understand. So last week, I ended up dealing with a lot having to do with the operating budget. And I talked about how it was comprised and how your maintenance fees is calculated in accordance with your square feet. So if your unit is 400 square feet, of course, you'll be paying a lot less money than someone has 600 or 800 square feet, and of course, the people that own a unit that's 1,200 square feet, they're going to be even larger as uh, far as size, but not just size, but higher in the price of their maintenance fees. Interesting enough, when you talk about financial statements, you know, I notice that there's an awful lot of buildings in and around. Most of them are older buildings, and a lot of these buildings right now, they're Their values seem to be declining a little bit, but their maintenance fees are still increasing. And there seems to be an awful lot of concern in the industry, simply because these owners want to continue to maintain value. They don't want to be losing value in their buildings or in their units, and then find that they're paying these outrageous maintenance fees, yet they're not securing any value. Most of the problems seem to be coming about in older condo buildings. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that, you know, there was a mandate put through a few years back to try to increase the reserve funds because so many buildings did not have a reserve fund or or enough of a reserve fund. So we spoke last week about what exactly a reserve fund is. If you think about having a house and you think about extra payments that you have to pay, 
you know, with respect to not just your heat and your high doing your utilities, but, you know, think about changing your roof or, or maybe upkeep of the exterior of the home or maybe even upkeep of your interior of your home. You've got a lot of things that you have to address. Now, if you have to do that in an $80 million building, you better have a good fund set aside to cover those expenses when the time comes along. So most of the time, a reserve fund study will, will basically give the condominium corporation and the board of directors an idea of where they are right now and how much money they need going forward so that they can anticipate that they will have enough money when the time comes that they have to do some kind of refurbishment or replacement. And those replacements, of course, will come out of the reserve fund. So, you know, that's that's basically what was covered. So pretty soon we're going to have a lot of these shows on podcasting here on the Hayes FM. And you can come back to the different series as a reference tool. And that will give you more information. And certainly if you know friends or family and, you know, and they're all interested about condominiums, please direct them on there as well. You know, the other day we were talking a lot about, um, I, I actually was called, uh, a woman was looking at buying a brand new construction condo. And she wanted me to give her a little bit of insight of where she would be planning ahead. And, you know, it's interesting because today she'll purchase it for a certain amount of money as far as price per square foot. But the question is going to be is how much is a maintenance fee going to end up down the road? So I actually put a timetable together and I wanted to bring it forward because I think that a lot of times people walk into new construction and, you know, they get so boiled over by these beautiful suites and the design and it's a new building and it's got all these bells and whistles and it's, I guess, all over the newspapers you're watching at those two new home condos are pretty much all over the place. So I think that what happens is, is people get really caught up in the flash, and then they kind of forget about things that they should really start considering. So I'm going to read out a list to you, and I think that this list, and if you have time to write down the statements, I think that it'll make a huge difference for you the next time you go out, because these are considerations that you should have when you're purchasing a new condo construction. So, of course, you know, a no-brainer, you want to review the reputation of the builder. You also want to determine what the launch date was, because I don't know what part you're coming in. I mean, the the launch could have very well been in December, and now we're all in March already. So has there been any price adjustments on these units since the time that the actual site was launched? That's an interesting question, because you want to see whether or not you're paying a little bit more or whether or not the prices have stand still. You You also want to get an idea of how many units have already sold. I think a key issue nowadays, you know, the builders are finding that it's much more lucrative to to do more than one phase. So if they can go into a, a site and they can do phase one, phase two, phase three, that really is a huge advantage. So if you're coming in and you're looking at purchasing into phase one, maybe you really need to get an idea as to whether or not there is sister buildings like a phase one, phase two, phase three complex at the end of the day. Maybe you can get an idea of when they're planning on launching the next ones as well. Just something. If you do have the different phases, what happens is is that you may have a shared facility situation, so all three buildings have to work together. So, you know, going into the condo, you'd like to know what you're in store for. The other thing is, is that, you know, remember, if they're different phases, they will be different condo corporations because they're coming to fruition at different times. So that means that all the board of directors for all the three different buildings will have to somehow get along. 
I'm sure you might have heard out there the words shared facilities. Shared facilities means that it is a common area that all the people from all the buildings can go to and enjoy. So if you're a single building, you won't have shared. You'll have common areas, only specific to your building. But if it is three buildings, and that would include maybe a rec center, a party room, or a cyber lounge, or a boardroom, or any of these type of amenities, that area would be called a shared facility. And the expenses for that area will be divided amongst all three of the buildings. The ratio tends to be on size. So again, you know, you'll have to get a really large idea here as to what is what is it that you're buying. Not just the unit, not just the bells and whistles. What are you buying? You know, most of the time when, when people see a, a high-rise condo, I, you know, if you've walked along and you've seen commercial units on the main floor, and some people are operating full-scale businesses, well, those are commercial units. But there's also something called a live-work unit. And the live-work unit is not commercial. It's actually residential. And what that means is that you, if you're an accountant and you want to work from home, and provided that the declaration, which is the Bible of the uh, of the corporation, says on it that you are allowed within that usage to use the live-work unit for business purposes as a live-work, live-there, work-there, you're still under the guidelines of residential. So you may find that the building that you're looking at purchasing into, it could have all three. I mean, it could have residential, it could have live-work, and it could have commercial usage. The question is, is have they divided off the corporations? So in other words, is there a corporation that only handles the residential side and then a corporation that only handles the commercial side? You know, it's really interesting. There's actually a building in downtown Toronto. It's right on Queen's Quay. And I was really shocked because it has two corporations. One is for the residential and the one that's commercial. I think there's only like six units. And the reason is, is because originally they were going to have a lot more and that wasn't what their original intent was. But things had changed, and the builder didn't move forward with what his original plan was, and that's why they have the two corporations. But the second one is only six units. You know, the other thing, too, is review all your floor plans for wasted hallway space in relation to the square footage of your unit. You know, nowadays, there seems to be an awful lot of condominiums the units out there, you come in and you get a, a hall space that's literally 10 feet in length and 5 feet wide. Well, you've already lost 50 square feet. So if you've only bought 600 square feet and now you're losing 50 square feet, you've only got 550 square feet left. The other thing I'm going to mention to you is this, that's kind of sort of because the the measurements for square footage are not taken within the complex of the unit. So in other words, it's not from drywall to drywall to drywall. It actually is within the concrete. So you've got some inches that are being left and, and lost, I guess, within that concrete. So even your 550 is incorrect. It, it could very well be 530, 525. So take a good, strong look at that floor plan because you're not seeing a finished product. You're only seeing the papers and you're only seeing the draft plan. And sometimes people can get really carried away because they think that it's going to be a lot larger than it actually is. And certainly you want to pay attention to the dimensions of the rooms because you may have a sectional couch that's not going to fit there. Now all of a sudden you have to start buying furniture as well. 
but certainly you have to keep a very strong view of the floor plan. Your layout, your design, both your living space, your balcony, and your terrace. A key, key point. Review the location of the building. You know, if you've got any vacant land on any of the sides, any one of the four sides of your building, maybe it would be wise to give the city a call, speak to the planning department, or maybe take a trip down there and and see exactly what's going to be happening with that vacant land. So if you have any vacant land, you have any parking lots, you have old buildings, you have a warehouse, you have anything of that nature that is close to that building that you're going to be purchasing, and you should have an idea of where the building's going to set. If not, you should be walking out the perimeters. You're in the sales office. Go to it and try to figure out the best that you can. You also will find out what direction is your unit facing. That's extremely important. You know, because, I mean, if you really do want the sunset, then you're going to have to pay attention and make sure that you are facing west. If you want the sunrise, you've got to, you know, face towards the east. So sun rises in the east and it sets in the west. (laughs) These are key points that, you know, people really need to pay attention to. And I think that, you know, if there's any units out there that have a terrace, even though they may be on a lower floor, honestly, pay attention to them because there's not that many in the building. You know, interesting enough, like if you think about it, if you've got a 40-story building and you're looking at a unit on the 11th floor, when you're standing up on the 11th floor, honestly, the 12th, the 14th, the 16th, the 15th, the 17th, it doesn't really feel that much difference. However, if you do have something that may have a terrace and you're avoiding having to pay, you know, anything from 500 to to $1,000 per floor, as you move up in, in, in a higher unit, you may find that you've overlooked a beautiful terrace that could be on the 11th floor. And now that's a special feature because there's not that many around. You know, it's really interesting because one key thing is inclusions. Now, what exactly is included in this unit? I mean, you know, I, I have to say, you know, I, I've got a little bit of a pet peeve. My pet peeve is, is that the dining room light fixture on the ceiling is capped. I just don't understand it. Those those light fixtures in the first place are probably not worth it any more than $10. While the electrician is already in the unit, why not just have him put up a cheap light fixture? At least then, when you move in, you will be able to know where the connections are and you may not have to hire a, an electrician or maybe they could just replace the one with something that you choose yourself. But, you know, if you do have to go down to property management and you have to bring in a qualified electrician just to put in a light fixture, it's going to cost a fair amount of money. You still have to pay for travel time. So take a really strong look at what's included and also take notice of the additional expenses. And those would be things that you don't even think about. If you want an extra cable hookup, maybe a telephone outlet, if you want to change a plug anywhere, if you don't want an operating plug for your living room light, which is just your lamp, and you actually want a ceiling light. So these are additional expenses, maybe undermount lighting in your kitchen. Pot lights, these are expensive additional items that you would have to come up with that cost. And generally speaking, the cost does not get added in to the actual value of the purchase. These tend to be costs that are paid over and above. Unless, of course, you've made some kind of a special arrangement with that builder. 
You know, one thing, you know, in some senses it's really convenient, but in other senses it may not be. It depends on your lifestyle. depends on what you're looking for. Proximity of elevator. So where is the elevator in relation to the unit that you're buying? You know, I was speaking to a fire inspector and, and he made a comment to me, which I was really shocked because it was something that I hadn't even thought about. If there's a, fo- a fire and, and there's a lot of smoke in the hallways, and you know some of those condo buildings that you go down this hall, go down that hall, go down that hall, and so on and so on, it never occurred to me, but he was mentioning that the easiest way for them to locate units is on a straight, rectangular-shaped hallway, not corridors that go back and forth, because if smoke did come in the hallways, it would be very hard to find the exits. So that was a really interesting statement, not to make anybody afraid out there, but it was said to me, so it was a point of interest. Garbage chutes. Garbage chutes are another one. And is this building going to have any kind of energy features? And will it have a trisector? So in other words, is that garbage chute, are you going to be able to just dump in your recycling at the same time? Or do you have to bring them all downstairs, which is kind of passe in new buildings today? We're going to talk a little bit more. I'll be right back. You're listening to Linda Pinizzato on The Condo Expert at The Hayes FM. Linda Pinizzato, whether it's a house, townhome, or condo, when you're ready, she's your negotiator. With 34 years of experience, Linda guarantees that you have the real estate knowledge you need to make the right decisions. Call Linda Pinizzato at Sutton Group Quantum Realty, 416 416- Five six one seven three seven three, or visit her at lindapinizzato.com. And thank you so much for joining me. You know, today has been just a fascinating time of learning so much of what's going on out there. And that's what the condo expert is all about. I'll hit so many different issues. You'll notice them on iTunes and on podcast. Reporting here from the Hayes FN. You have been listening to Linda Pinizzato of The Condo Expert. Now, also remember, register yourself. If you're a condo owner or a condo buyer, register at www.coaontario.com. And also, if you've got questions, whether they're real estate related or condominium or property values, this and that, you know, I wouldn't have the uh, information I have had I not had the experience that I've received, and I certainly wouldn't have been able to start the Condo Owners Association without having this kind of a background. So contact me at Linda Pinizzato, P-I-N-I-Z-Z-O-T-T-O at coaontario.com or Linda at lindapinizzato.com. Until the next time, have a fantastic day, and thank you so much for tuning in. Oh. My computer crashed. Oh, no. I've got a virus. Oh, uh, no way. No internet connection. Do you need help? Call IT Mayday. 647-977-7113. ITMayday.com.